Ecclesiastes chapter five. It's actually um, a very interesting book, a very interesting chapter. I got my Monopoly board game with me today. I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about Monopoly. How many of y'all like the game Monopoly? I wanna, I wanna preach a message to you today, the cure for discontentment. How to be happy right here, right now. How many of y'all think our world could use some more happiness, some contentment? In fact, I, I, someone gave me a book a month ago um, all about happiness, all about contentment. It was by Max Lucado, and I was so intrigued by the title. It was called How Happiness Happens. I ended up reading it and uh, finished it up yesterday. And I just was thinking about how so much of the problems in our world, the situations, the, the craziness that we see, the disturbed people, um, the depression that we see, the anxiety, the people who are making just bad decisions, it really can be traced back to contentment. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10, at this time, the wealthiest man in the world, so he had all the money and he was the wisest man in the world. He had all the intellect, all the human wisdom that a man could acquire. He had been to all the schools, read all the books. He knew more than you knew or I knew or anyone else knew. And he said this, whoever loves money never has enough. Now, what I wanna do is I want us to look at that, but just take the word money out and you fill in the blank, anything other than Jesus. Anything, whoever loves, fill in the blank, never has enough. It's not that money is evil. It's the love of money that leads to idolatry and leads to a sense of never having enough, never having enough. And it's not just money. Like, let's not just bash on money. It's also whoever loves, let's fill in the blank, houses. Whoever loves, let's fill in the blank, Netflix. Whoever loves entertainment. Movies. There's nothing wrong with going to see Mr. Rogers in the movie theater. There's nothing wrong with fashion. Whoever loves clothes. Anybody get some good deals on Friday on some presents? This isn't a trick question. You're not in trouble. I'm not, I'm not setting you up to get ambushed here. But you know what? There's, there's nothing wrong with getting a good deal on a, on a Friday in the year where they have all the amazing sales. Um, our world spent $7.6 billion um, just two days ago. And on Thursday night on Thanksgiving, uh, $4.6 billion between 6 p.m. and midnight. That's crazy. People, people go out for the sales. There's nothing wrong with loving a good deal. But, but when that becomes your chief love, when the love of money, the love of stuff becomes your obsession, it's never enough. Everybody say never enough never enough. And then he goes on to say this, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income, never happy with their salary, never happy with what's in the bank account, never happy with the money in their wallet. It's never enough. Anyone ever see that movie, The Greatest Showman that came out a few years ago? And there was a famous song, never enough, never, never, never enough, never, never, never enough. Never! My kids, like, we, we, we listen to that song and never, never. But the whole point of the song is this guy is chasing happiness. And no matter how much fame he gets, no matter how many tickets he sells to see his show, his whole circus show, it's never enough. It's at the end of the movie that the man discovers that the life he has is a wonderful life. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray God that we would leave with a sense of contentment and satisfaction with what you have blessed us with today. And God, that we would leave, Lord, not with a fake happiness, but God, a deep, spiritual, supernatural, Holy Spirit joy that comes from recognizing who you are in our lives, what you've done for us, what you've blessed us with, and God, that you are enough. In Jesus' name, Ebba said, Amen. Thank you so much, Mike. How many of y'all grew up playing Monopoly um, as a kid? How many of y'all still play Monopoly? All right, come on. We got to get a tournament together. This is my favorite game. Like this in the game of Risk. Who, who, who likes to play the game? I love Risk. I shouldn't say I love it because it's never enough. I like these games. As a kid, I used to play Monopoly by myself. That's how much I liked it. You might say, well, how did you do that, Paul? 
I played all four or five of the different characters, depending on how much time I had. I pull them out, I get my dice, I roll my dice, I pull out the chance cards, the community chess cards, and depending on where my dice landed um, and what I got, sometimes I'd win the beauty contest, I'd get $10. Sometimes, you know, and I would, uh, I, I would play every part. And the thing about Monopoly is the more you get, the more you win. The whole idea of Monopoly is to make more money. Come on, I got some money in the house. I got 500s. Who wants some money? Who wants some money? You want some money? Yeah. But here's the point is at the end of the game, you realize it's all fake. And so the whole thing is like, you're all excited about this. You got your money. Like I remember this one time I would beat my family members. We had to have altar calls during Thanksgiving and Christmas after Monopoly games, Scrabble games, Mexican dominoes, because our family was competitive. How many of y'all come from a competitive household? Yeah, our family, we would get into it. There would just be this intensity. There would be tears. We would see stones revealed in people's hearts, wounds from a long time ago. People had to deal. Like Monopoly just brought out all of the craziness. And afterwards, my dad would be like, come on, everybody come in for prayer. We need to forgive each other. We need to confess our sins to the Lord. You know, there was just, there was family restoration and reconciliation after board games. How many of y'all have that kind of a household? Like you just get excited, you get into the games. 10 of you in the room, the rest of y'all are just totally okay. Some of us in the room, we need Jesus. And uh, and so anyways, the whole idea of the game is to make more. Everybody say more, 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 more. There's this obsession with more. And what's crazy is this game transfers into our life. We start thinking, I got to get more houses, got to get more hotels, I got to get more, more properties. So that way, when I pass go, I collect $200 and then I charge them. And as long as I have more than them and more than her and more than him, I'm happy. <laughs> and then Ecclesiastes reminds us, whoever loves money and their properties and whoever's playing the game and living their life based on if I get what I want, I will be content. They are left with this mindset, this heart, this soul dissatisfaction that it's never enough. Everybody say never enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Look at that verse again. Whoever loves their stuff, whoever's obsessed with money and wealth and materialistic things will be unsatisfied. Here's what happens when we are obsessed with wanting more. People who always want more, number one, have more fatigue. People who always want more are more tired because the more that we have, the harder we have to work to keep up with that more. It keeps us in a striving place. We're constantly striving. We got to have six cups of coffee, three Red Bulls in the afternoon. We got to keep up and we're tired. And Proverbs 23 verse four warns us about this, that there is an exhaustion that comes with more and more and more and more. Everybody said, get out of the rat race. I think one of the reasons why there's so much turmoil and anxiety is people are obsessed with getting more. We have this constant access, even with our phones, to get more social media, more Instagram. Ah, and yet it's never enough. I must say never enough. Never enough. Never enough. Number two, people who always want more, they have more expenses. More expenses. So you might say, man, Paul, the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, and they've got a higher water bill too. Because with more comes more expenses. If you want more, you better be prepared. It costs more money to have more money. It costs more resources to take care of more resources. And we've got to come back to that place that am, am I striving to get more to satisfy a hole that only God can satisfy? It's okay to have stuff. It's not okay for stuff to have you. If you can't be happy without that dress, without that new car, without that upgrade to the iPhone, then you are missing out on the real sustainable joy that God offers. No amount of money will ever satisfy. Again, it's okay to have nice things. I like nice things. It's okay to enjoy your blessings, but don't, don't confuse the blessing with the blesser. Don't confuse the supply with the source. 
Like we sometimes get so wrapped up into our supply, our income, our house, our car, our clothes, our bonus, our whatever the stuff is, and we forget that's not what brings the joy. The joy comes from who my source is. The joy comes from who my God is. The people who always are wanting more, number three, have more anxiety. Did you know that scientists have discovered right now that Generation Z, that's the generation right below millennials, is actually, and I, I, I am combating this word. <laughs> so I am speaking against this in Jesus' name, and I'm canceling it in Jesus' name because I think there's power in our prayers and power in our words. But factually, and we've got to be able to look at the facts and go, is there some truth to that? And what do we need to do to change that? They are saying that Generation Z will live shorter than the boomer generation because of the amount of anxiety that has come with so much information and so much distractions. Could it be that the enemy is not in a hurry to kill you because he just wants to distract you? Could it be that like Satan's not interested in taking out your marriage, he just wants to distract you from enjoying your marriage. He wants to distract you from enjoying your kids. So on Thanksgiving, when we're all sitting together and we're all eating and all of a sudden there's this distraction, I gotta got get up out of here, I gotta get some sales right now. And I go get my sales. Did you know, they have, they've also said this. Uh, most researchers say that people, humanity, they, they um, lose their health in the early part of their life to gain as much money as possible. So that in the second half of their life, they can lose all of that money to gain as much health as possible back into their life. So the first half of our life, we are wasting our health to gain more money. So that in the second half of our life, we are wasting our money to get our health back that we lost from the rat race of trying to make more money because more leads to more happiness. And if I got more and I got more and God's the God of more, yes, but, but don't forget that God is also the God of contentment even when you don't have more. This is why David said in Psalm 23 verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You want a 10, you can have my 10. You want this? I have learned the secret of being happy because the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack anything. Whoever wants more has more anxiety. Number four, whoever desires more. In other words, that more is the, um, more is the reason that makes you happy has more conflict in their life. More conflict. Proverbs 15 verse 27 tells us this, that the greedy bring ruin to their households. The greedy, they stir up strife in their households. The greedy, the people who want more. And there is a balance because listen, I, we did a whole series last year called So Much More, and I don't wanna negate the idea of Ephesians 3.20, that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask, hope, dream, or imagine. Thank God that God is not a little God, he's a great God, but there is a balance. If I am chasing after more, as if that is the chief reason that I will be happy and satisfied with life, then I am missing out. I'm missing out. I am missing the target. When I recognize I can be happy with the little that I have, I don't need an upgrade. I don't need a third TV to be happy. I don't need a bigger house to be happy. I don't have to have what the Joneses have. Possibly the Joneses might be in bankrupt, bankruptcy because of being debt, because of what they, not, not the Joneses in this church. I'm just saying the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. If our pursuit after more is robbing us of the joy of where we are and what we have and the family that we are with, we are missing out on the joy that God has for us. I'm preaching this morning. You can receive it. You don't have to. The other day I went to um, my son's Thanksgiving Day presentation here at our school, Victor Christian School. And uh, yeah, like that. Woo. <laughs> Somebody's excited about it. And um, while we were there, Liam had lines. He had prepared these lines. He had been working on them and he was gonna get up and say them. And I was so excited. I had my camera phone out. And I wanna show you what happened in this moment. Check this out. Yeah! Come on! Yeah! 
Can I tell you that day, Liam was kind of discouraged because when we got to school, he realized all the other kids were dressed up really nice and uh, he came in his Parker clothes and, and uh, that day he was picking his nose a lot and people could have had reasons to go, whose kid is that, you know? And he had his shirt tail untucked, but I didn't care about any of that because he was my son and I delight in seeing my son get up and do his, even if he would have forgotten the lines, I would have been going, yeah! The whole place just looked at me like, who's the weird, awkward dad over there shouting for his kid who's dressed in the wrong clothes today? Can I tell you something? I think some of us, we are waiting for like a perfect life to be happy. And God's saying, did you know I delight in you today? Not the more improved you, not the perfect you, not the you when your house is clean and your kids are quiet and the dogs aren't barking. I think some of us need to stop waiting for a flawless day to be content and recognize I can be content even if I don't have all the money or the properties or I rolled the wrong dice, I can be content today. Somebody say today, here, now. Alexander the Great, he had conquered so much of the world But when he died, he actually said this, when he died, he asked, he said, bury my body, do not build any monument for me. Keep my hands outside of my coffin open so that the world will know that the person who won the world had nothing left in his hands when he died. Alexander the Great. He said, bury me with my hands outside my coffin. They actually cut holes in the coffin and put his hands outside, Alexander the Great. He said, I want the world to know that the man who won the world died with nothing in his hands. Let this be a warning to every man in the room. The chasing for more, 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 more leads to nothing. Jesus said it like this. Whoever gains the world but loses his soul profits nothing. What profit is it? For a man, a woman, who lives with this constant pursuit of, I gotta have more, life has to be perfect, I gotta have everything right, I need to be in control of everything, that we die and we go, why didn't I enjoy the blessings that God gave me? We've gotta learn to enjoy right here and right now. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse nine, those who want to get rich quick, those who are obsessed with more money, fall into the temptation and the trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This is not a popular verse. It's kind of scary to talk about in America because we are so blessed and we are taught the monopoly way of life. We are taught the idea of, I gotta monopolize my ways. I've gotta be a good steward. I've gotta make more. I've gotta put more. I've gotta get more, 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 and more, 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 more. And once I get more, more, and more, I can live the American dream, and the American dream will fix everything. And once I have more, I'll be happy, and everything will be fine. And once I get this job, and that job, and get her that job, and this job, and all that, and Paul says, listen, this is, this is a pathway towards internal soul destruction. He says this, the love of money is a root of all kinds of, again, money is not wrong. It's okay to have money. It's okay to be blessed. Abraham was blessed. Abraham had a lot of money and a lot of stuff and he employed a lot of people, but God was his source, not his camels, not his donkeys, not his house in Canaan, not his servants' houses, not his employees. Abraham had a revelation that God, I've met some people in this church who are wealthier than all of us and they have a great revelation that wealth is not their chief source, that God is their source. So they are not afraid to give to God, to help other people, to be a part of God's kingdom because they are not building their kingdom, they're building God's kingdom. But I've met other people who have very little and the very little that they have is their source. So it's not about how much you have, it's about your heart connected to the stuff that you have. And the eagerness, the desire, the pursuit of making more money, having more stuff leads and pierces us. Paul says it pierces them with many griefs. And so we saw even on on this last week on Black Friday, there were shootings in malls. People were shooting people, shooting people over toys. What is happening? What in the world is going on with people's souls? It's not that we don't have enough, it's that we don't enjoy the enough that we have. It's that we don't have a revelation that we are blessed 
We, are, we can be content right where we are. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We've got to stop and ask ourselves, why do I want more? Is my drive for more about me trying to beat other people? Is it a competitive factor? What is the motive? It really comes down to the motive. It's not bad to want something, but if the motive is an impure motive, then we are missing the joy that God has called us to have. Where does it come from? This drive for more. I wanna give you a few things that I think could be stirring in you the reason that you are unhappy and dissatisfied. Matthew Henry, a theologian, he calls it a fickle disrelish of the present things. I like that, fickle disrelish. It makes men discontent even under favorable circumstances. Even, even when you have a lot, you're still unhappy. It's a fickle disrelish, a discontentment, unhappiness. What is causing this in you or in I? Could it be, number one, the complaining attitude? The Israelites missed out on where God had them and where God was taking them because they were practicing the complaining attitude. There's always a complainer. Seems like there's always someone who's got something they're frustrated. I'm just unhappy about this. I'm frustrated about this. We just don't have enough. I know God blessed us with manna, but we want steak. I know God gave us birds, but we want fish. You know, it's like no matter what you give, there's always something to be complaining about. I want to get set free from a complaining attitude. Anyone want to get set free from being complaining and negative? Come on. The Bible actually says that a woman um, who is complaining is like a dripping faucet. I don't know why they said woman. We could say man. The man who is complaining. The five-year-old in the Darty household that is complaining. The three-year-old. The 33-year-old. The 50-year-old who's complaining is like a dripping faucet. Just constantly dripping. Just drip, 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 The dripping is starting to wear us out. It's affecting. Who are you leaking on right now? Your discontentment is not just hurting you, it's hurting your family. God's saying, I'm trying to set you free from yourself. I'm trying to set you free from this need to have everything perfect, to be in control of everyone and the circumstances. Here's a great revelation. My circumstances do not determine my contentment. I can be happy in the prison or in the palace. I can be thankful whether I'm in the dungeon or whether I am on the mountaintop, whether I'm in the valley. I do not have to have every, my, this is liberating. When you realize I don't have to get what, the Wi-Fi doesn't have to be working perfectly for me to be a happy guy. I don't have to have my phone with 3G and the perfect network in order to be content. I can be content without everything going my, I might just be preaching to myself today. Number two, what, what, what is keeping us from being content is the entitlement attitude, the entitlement. I'm entitled, I'm entitled, I'm entitled to more. Paul, I earned more than this. Paul, I am entitled to you preaching a home run sermon every week. And if you don't give me what I'm entitled to, I am angry with you and I am angry with everybody else. I'm entitled to my wife treating me like this. I am entitled to my kids being perfect. I am entitled. Entitlement is robbing this generation of joy. And it's plaguing the church from enjoying the place that they're in, the people that they're with. Entitlement. I earned a perfect day. I earned people to treat me nicely. I can't control what people do to me, but I can control my attitude and my mindset. What's going on inside of me is not determined by what you say to me, what you do to me, if you applaud me or don't applaud me. I can have a, a peacefulness because I'm not entitled to you smiling at me. I've got to remind myself, like, you're going through your own troubles, so it's okay if you treat me mean. I am not entitled to you treating me nice, but I am required as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, to practice kindness and gentleness despite how I'm treated. What, what, what is robbing you of discontentment? It could be the envious eye, the comparing eye, the looking on Facebook. You were happy with your meal. <laughs> that sounds funny. You got your happy meal, McDonald's, the contentment meal. You got something that made you happy until your friend pulls up and he's got the new Popeye's chicken sandwich. And you're looking at your nuggets and your French fries and you're like, man, if I just, if I just had what they had, 
if my dice just landed. You were happy with your ice cream until she came out and she got the mint chocolate chip double scoop with fudge on top. And, and I mean, it's like the best ice cream. You, and you're looking at your ice cream and you're going, man, I wish I had her ice cream. You were happy with your, your Thanksgiving meal until you saw other people's Thanksgiving meals on Instagram. You were happy with your house until you saw her house. You were happy with your kitchen and your cabinets and your countertops until you saw Chip and Joanna Gaines <laughs> with the fixer uppers. <sighs> Honey, our house is not cool. We stink because we need what they have. No, you don't. No, I don't. I don't. I don't need it. Somebody just said, this is free, free, freedom right here. Say, I don't need it. Stores are monopolizing on you. I talked to someone last night who owns a company and they said, we advertise to people who are looking at what others have. They said, I'm, I'm giving you our secret. <laughs> we actually wanna stir up a discontentment with what they have. So that way they will buy what we have. They said, but we, we've, we, we're getting out of it. <laughs> okay, but here's the bottom line. Stores are monopolizing on our discontentment. The second we go, you know what? I'm good, I don't need it. Now it, it's one thing if you do need it, but we confuse a lot of our wants with needs. And when we recognize the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want then I have what I need, I'm good. Some of us are spending money that we don't actually have, buying things we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. Why are you buying that? You don't even like the people that you're trying to impress. You gotta love them because you're a Christian. All right, I'm getting a little too intense and honest here. What's stirring up discontentment? Could it be a resentful spirit? You've become resentful towards people. You've become resentful. You've just become resentful towards God, towards yourself, just bitter. You just can't let stuff go. Just easily irritated, just resentful. People are gonna walk on pins and needles. It's like they can't even, anything could set you off. You're triggered by a lot, just, resent, just carrying a resentful spirit. So in the house, you're just waiting for someone to mess up, just waiting for someone to say something wrong and you're angry and it's robbing you of the joy. The key to contentment, let's get to the answers here. The key to contentment, Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter four. Let's go to Philippians chapter four. Yeah, come on somebody. Philippians chapter four, verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last, at last, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I don't know why I'm singing. But here's, the, here's what he's saying is, Paul was waiting on these people from the church to help him. And he says, you finally helped me. He says, you were supposed to help. Where, why were you quiet when I was going through my struggle? Don't worry about it, though. Paul says, listen, I, I rejoice when you showed up, even though you could have shown up a little bit sooner because our marriage was struggling. Our family was going through trials. We were going through, so you don't, you don't know what we were facing. Paul could have had a lot of reasons why he needed their help sooner, but he says, at last, I like that he puts it, at last you showed up. And then he says this in verse 11, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. And I'm not saying this because I'm in need as if you can fix the hole in my soul. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us that only he can fill. People can't fill it, Netflix can't fill it, alcohol can't fill it, CBD oil can't fill it. Amen. Yeah, I, I drove past the, the highway, this might be controversial, I drove down the highway the other day and there's a big sign that says, heal yourself. That's kind of the motto of our day right now, heal yourself. Heal your mind, heal your heart. Little bit of CBD, little bit of this, little bit of that, little bit of this, little, you can heal yourself but you can't. Only God can heal your soul. CBD might be able to fix you for a brief moment. Alcohol might be able to re re relieve you of some anxiety for a brief moment, but it never sustains healing for the soul. The only sustainable healing ointment is the word of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even marriage can't fill the hole in your soul. 
James chapter four says, why are there quarrels and fights between you and your spouse, you and your family members? Is it not the war within you? Is it not that you are trying to squeeze out of a human what only God can give? Maybe the reason you're discontent in a relationship is because you're trying to squeeze out of that spouse, that fiance, that wife, that husband, what only God can give you. And so Paul says this in verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, somebody say, I learned it. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be happy. The word content means happy, satisfied. Y'all remember the old theologian, um, Mick Jagger, who said, I can't get no satisfaction. No, he wasn't a theologian. But the world is, of course, you can't get any satisfaction from drugs and sex and alcohol and rock and roll. It's because our souls were made for something deeper than that. Our souls were created to be filled with Jesus a relationship with God, the presence of God, the word of God, a deep gratitude with what God has given us. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know whatever, everybody say whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. Paul's saying, he said, I've been through the, the famine. You only learn contentment when you've been in the feast and you've been in the famine. We don't learn contentment when we're always in a constant feast. Doctors have said that today, um, people have lost the ability to enjoy everyday things in life. And they actually have a medical term for it. It's called anhedone, anhedone. And it means they've lost the enjoyment of things they used to enjoy because they feasted on so much of it. So the, what, what they used to enjoy about can I, can I be a little bit PG, PG-13 with y'all this morning? It's, it's scriptural, but it's just gonna go into an adult moment right here. They said people have lost the enjoyment of sex because they have feasted on so much pornography. And so anhedone has come into their minds and hearts and what was supposed to be enjoyable as a normal thing that God created is no longer enough, never enough, never enough. Brene Brown said the, word, the mantra for our day right now is never enough, never enough. And they said anhedone has even come into the musical enjoyment. People used to enjoy music, an orchestra playing, a song they enjoyed by an artist. But today, th this generation, we have feasted on so much music, we can't even enjoy a song. We're listening to music while we've got Netflix playing and we're scrolling on our phone and we're not even listening to the song anymore. We're not even enjoying the music because we're distracted. Never enough, never enough. One guy said, technology has revolutionized our lives, but it has ravished our souls. It has ravished our souls because we're on there and we're, we're trying to get more and more and more and more and we're scrolling and we're swiping and we're downloading and we're looking at apps. People can go into 50 apps in less than five minutes because they're bored with one app, bored with the next app, close that app, check the stocks, check this, check the news, bored with the news, check Instagram, bored with Instagram, check Facebook, bored with that, go to the weather, check this, check. And technology is ravishing our ability to connect and be enjoying our family. Paul said, I, I know what it is to be in need. I've gone through the famine and I know what it is to have plenty. I've, I've enjoyed the feast, but I have learned the secret. The word learn is connected to education. I've gone to school. I've gone into the university of contentment. It's an internal university, you know. It's taking time to really check on what is going on inside of me. What is happening? Why is my soul disturbed? David used to talk to his soul. David, the psalmist, he was emo. He had a lot of emotions. I can relate to him. I used to get emo after Monopoly games. I'd go sit in a corner and cry if I lost the game. David, David said, what is wrong? He said in, in, in Psalm 42, why am I downcast? Why am I depressed? Why am I disturbed? Put your hope back in money. No, that's not what he said. Put your hope back in the alcohol. No, that's not what he said. Put your hope in technology. No, he said, put your hope in the Lord. Our soul sufficiency is in God. Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have gone through the school, the university of contentment. And in every situation, I took the classes on what it looks like to be happy when I don't get what I want, when I don't hear what I want, when life is out of control, when it is chaotic, whether I am well-fed or I am 
hungry, whether I'm on a diet that I have to be on, that I'm forced to be on because of the famine that I'm in, or whether I'm living in plenty or in want. I've learned the secret, and the secret is through Christ who gives me strength. There is not a season I go through. There is not a struggle I face. There is not a famine I walk through that I cannot do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, give God some praise this morning. I want the keys to come out. Here's one thing I've realized is um, about this game. The people who don't play the game (laughs) sometimes are actually happier than the people who did play the game. Almost every time that I've won this game, I'm looking around the board and I'm like, who's happy for me? No one's happy for me. I beat everyone. It's lonely on the mountaintop. I thought getting all of this would make me everybody's friend. You actually become everybody's enemy. I thought getting all of this was gonna fix everything. But then I look around the room and the people who didn't play the game, they're smiling, they're laughing, they're talking, they're eating Chex Mix and popcorn. And I'm not saying you shouldn't play board games this Christmas, please do. But just remember that the board game is just a game. Don't let it transfer into your life. And I think that in order for us to be content, we've got to find where real contentment comes from. We've got to stop trying to beat everyone around us. If you're in a rat race trying to be better than someone else, there's always going to be someone who's got more than you, who's doing better than you, who's beating you in some other area. Stop trying to win against everyone else. Start recognizing that the only person you need to beat is who you were yesterday. Be better than you, be more thankful than you were yesterday. Give God more worship than you gave him yesterday. Pray more today than you prayed yesterday. And don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like you're always never enough. In Christ, not only do I have enough, I am enough. He rejoices over me. He's the dad watching me shouting, yay, you did great, son. God loves you. He delights in you. In order for me to live with contentment, I got to be grateful for what I have. I got to be grateful for what God has given me. Gratitude displaces discontentment. Discontentment puts gratitude on the sidelines. Gratitude puts discontentment on the sidelines. When I learn to be thankful, did you know that if you have food, clothes, and a roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the people that are alive today? Anybody have food this week? Anybody wearing clothes today? I hope so. Anybody got a roof over your head right now? Give God thanks. You are among the wealthiest people in the world. If you have savings of money in the bank, you are in the top 8% richest people in the world. Anybody got savings somewhere in the bank, the piggy bank in your wallet? If you have money you haven't spent, just, yeah. (laughs) You're like, come on, pastor, don't do another offering. I'm not. This is not a setup for a second offering. All I'm saying is you are wealthier than you think you are. Be happy, my friends. Be content. You're doing better than you think you are. You may not be where you want to be, but look at where God has brought you. He has blessed you with what you asked him for. If you woke up today with health this morning, you're not in a hospital bed. You are more blessed than one million people who won't survive this week. Give thanks to God that you are healthy today. At some point, I'm gonna get 100% of the room to give thanks to Jesus. I don't know when, but at some point, someone's gonna get a revelation that they are blessed. Why don't you take 10 seconds, not for me, but for God who has blessed you with a wonderful life. Just give him thanks today. Give him a hand clap, give him a wink. You did that, God. I honor you. David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or out begging for bread. David said in the presence of God, there is satisfaction. You want to get satisfaction? It's not in money. It's not in monopoly. It's not in more materials. We were made for more than materials. We were made for more than money. We were made for more than the pursuit of more. We were made to be content in the presence of Jesus, with a relationship with Jesus, in the word of God, in the obedience of what God has called us to do. I don't find my contentment on the results of my obedience. 
I find contentment in the obedience of what God has asked me to do. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think another way that we practice contentment is we release the need to be in control. Release the need to be in control. Just this week, release the need to be in control. Hand the remote control back to God. If you're a control person, <laughs> just, just tonight, on Monday, on Tuesday, just go, I release the need to be, let it go, Elsa. I release the need to be in control. I release the need to be in control of my circumstances, my situations, my family members, the people, my company, my finances. I release the need to try to control everything. I can't control everything, but I can control my spirit, my attitude. I can control my reactions, my responses. So Lord, I'm gonna get on the end. I'm gonna ask you to give me peace this week to the environment that I walk into, to the people that do things that I don't appreciate, that I can't control. Secondly, I gotta release the need to have everything perfect. I gotta release the, the need to have everything perfect. I, I was gonna play you a song. This week, I sat down on my guitar and I started just playing peace. I just started singing peace. I need peace. I need the kids to stop screaming. I need the dogs to stop barking. I need peace. I need our house to smell better than diapers everywhere. I need peace. And then I started singing, but peace isn't all of these things changing for my good. Peace is a decision in my soul. Peace is not having everything perfect and kids quiet and dogs not barking and diapers not everywhere. Peace is an internal decision. Y'all are like, this is really weird, Paul. Please stop. I'm inviting you into my soul right now. I had, to, I had to sing over my spirit because I was having a meltdown this week. Even men, even grown men have meltdowns. David did in the Bible. Jesus did in the Garden of God. Men, don't look at me like, you've like you're John Wayne, Clint Eastwood. You've never had a meltdown. You've been there before. Just don't make me be out here on the limb all by myself. What nurtures contentment is releasing the need to have everything perfect in my life. Release the need to get everything you want. Contentment, yes, it comes in Christ, but in Christ, that means that I have what I need, so I'm not waiting to get something. I'm not living in a when-then mindset. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When we have kids, then when I get the bonus, when my income increases, when the economy shifts in my favor, when our dogs stop barking, when this happens, when this, then I'll be, release the need to get what you want. You go, how is that supposed to make me happy? If I don't get what I want, how? Hey, welcome to Christianity. In Christ, I have all that I, Jesus plus nothing equals everything I need. Remember, fourthly, remember God is always more than enough. I want the whole band to come out, right, here I go. Remember that God is always more than enough. Everybody say, he's more than enough. Watch what Paul says now. Okay, I've learned the secret to be happy in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then he says in verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Thank you for helping me out. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintances with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. By the way, it is both. God wants to bless you in the giving and in the receiving. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. So Paul was saying, it's not your gifts that bring me contentment. It's not your gifts that satisfy my soul. What I desire is that more be credited your account. Here's what I've realized. The way to win, when you have a need, you gotta flip the need into a seed. When you have a need, the key to contentment is not just going, oh, thank you, Jesus, you're more than enough for me. One of the keys to contentment is giving things away. It's taking all the money and going, you get it, here you go, here you go. It's fake money, here you go, <laughs> it's imaginary. When I flip the script and I go, you know what? 
I could use some encouragement, but instead of waiting to be encouraged and affirmed by people, I'm gonna give it away. I'm gonna encourage other people. My brother AJ does this so well. He just is constantly giving shout outs and love to other people. When you have a need in your life, flip the script. And instead of waiting for people to meet your needs, Paul says, I wanted you to share in the joy of generosity. There is a contentment that is found in giving the very thing that you're asking for. And that comes when you flipped the need into a seed. Let the seed be the leader instead of the need being the leader. And then Paul says this, I've received full payment. I have more than enough. Everybody say, I got what I need. That's one of the greatest things you can say before you get into a marriage, in a relationship. You should say, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, you don't complete me. God, I have what I need. I am good. I was good before you showed up in my, I am thankful for you. You are amazing, but I am complete in Christ alone. If you cannot be complete in Christ, I'm so thankful for my family members. I'm thankful for my dad in heaven who's cheering me on. But I realized one thing when he passed, I had an unhealthy attachment of contentment to him. You don't realize what you've put your contentment in until it's gone. And then once it's gone, you go, oh, I was finding my completion, my contentment, my joy in a human relationship. And I needed to get back into a relationship with you. It's okay to enjoy a relationship, but when you've made it the idol of your contentment. So Paul says this, I am amply supplied. I've received everything that I need and your offerings, they are pleasing to God. And then he says this, and I want you to stand to your feet right here, verse 19. Verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. In God, don't confuse the supply with the supplier. Don't confuse the blessings with the blesser. Don't confuse what God has given you with what God is to you. My God is my source. My contentment is in him. And when I realize that I can bring what I have, I can go through life and I can have contentment. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I can wake up on Monday and I can say, God, I thank you, you're the bread of life. God, I thank you that you love me today. You are rejoicing over me. I want us just to bow our heads and close our eyes right now. I sense in my spirit, there's some of you that are battling discouragement, maybe even depression. Your soul is in a strange place. And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, breathe deep, breathe in deep with a thankful breath, an inhaling and an exhaling of praise to God. Praise displaces discontentment. Thanksgiving displaces discontentment. When you breathe deep, and some of you just need to release some tears today. You have been holding on to emotions and you just need to release it to God. You need to go outside today and just cry and give thanks to God and tell the devil, not today. I choose to praise the Lord. I find my contentment in Christ. No matter what's going on around me, he is more than enough. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I hear God saying, the very thing that you've been searching for is already in your life. The very thing that you, the more that you want, God says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna hook you up. You're gonna see so many great things in your future, but you won't be able to enjoy it until you start enjoying right here, right now. I hear God saying, you're about to walk away from something to some of you. He said, the very thing you're trying to walk away from is the thing that I'm gonna use to bless you. It's the thing I'm gonna use to bring joy to you. There's acres of diamonds right beneath your feet. There's contentment in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's contentment on December 1st in your current age, in your current setup, with your current things. You don't have to get more to be content. God says, I, I can satisfy your soul right here, right now. If you're in this room right here or you're watching online and you just need to get your soul back to a place of peace and contentment, satisfaction in Christ, and this message was speaking directly to you right now. I want you to just raise your hand all over this room. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. All over this room. If you've just been battling discontentment, you've been battling that sense and that peace to be content where you are with what you have and what's going on in your life. Some of you are in a battle right now and the key is going to be in your praise and your thanksgiving to God. 
If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. Lastly, if you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with Jesus, but I wanna get right with Jesus. I wanted to surrender to him. The key to success is in surrender to Christ. You wanna succeed in life, you gotta give it all to God. All over this room, if that's you, just raise your hand. Today's your day to go all in with Jesus. If you raised your hand or wanted to, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar. Just step out today. Let's cheer on every man, woman, marriage, family, grandparent, boy, girl, college student. God is enough. As they're coming down, I want us just to sing that song, Christ is enough for me. And I want some of our pastors, connect group leaders to come and stand behind and beside. You are not alone today. He is enough for you. He is enough for you and whatever you're facing, He wants to satisfy your soul. He wants to bring contentment into your life right now. Come on, let's just worship all over this room. Let's lift our hands to Jesus. Everything I need is in you. pray, Lord, for rest for our whole church. God, I pray, Lord, that we would enter into that place of contentment. God, in the here and now, even this week, Lord, anyone who's just been battling the chaos in their life, I thank you that Jesus was born in a manger. He was born in a chaotic time of history, and he interrupted the chaos with peace. He interrupted the discontentment with contentment. He interrupted the sickness with healing. Lord, I thank you that today you are interrupting the darkness that people are walking through with light, with life, with hope, with joy, with peace, with contentment. And God, let us respond like the shepherds responded with the angels. Lord, with worship and with praise, God, help us to see this great gift that you've given us, the gift of your son. And Lord, help us to discover he is all that we need in every situation. Just say this with me, Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for your grace, your salvation, your love, your peace, your joy. I receive it by faith. I am content no matter where I am, who I'm with, or what's going on around me. I've learned the secret to be content. Through Christ, I can do all things because He strengthens me. In Christ, I have enough. I am enough because He is my Lord, my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you. You are dismissed.